0: Hey, this is Jay. Before we start the episode, I wanted to share some really exciting news. Calibra was just named a leader in the 2023 Forrester Wave Report for data governance solutions. If you don't know what the Forrester Wave is, it's essentially a guide for us buyers considering options for our software. If you want to get to know Forrester a bit better, go back and check out our recent episodes with Raluca Alexandru and Michelle Getz from Forrester. I love these conversations. We had a total blast and I can't resist making a plug here either. To learn more about the report, go to Calibra.com slash data download dash dash DG. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes as well so that it's easy for you to navigate to them and check out those reports. All right, back to the show. This is the data download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. The study of ethics has been around for centuries. The notion of right and wrong, moral behavior. Data ethics is then, relatively speaking, a pretty new topic with new questions to ask and answer. Things like, what data do I as a person own? If I own data referring to me, that a given organization is generated, collected, and stored, what control do I then have over that data and how it's used? Shared? Sold? From ethics, many of our laws in society were created. But doing the legal thing isn't always the moral thing, and vice versa. The same applies with data ethics. As technology continues to evolve at such a rapid pace, these data ethics questions get thornier, while also more common. As data privacy laws, environmental, social, and governance regulations take shape, the field of data ethics is now also growing. In this episode, we'll dive deeper into what this is, why it's important, and where it's headed. So I could talk to you for a while by myself, but it's always better to have a chat with a guest.
1: My name is Anna Hannam, and I'm the Director of Data Ethics and Use at Scotiabank. I have been in the role for about half a year, but have been in the Chief Data Office, which is where data ethics is situated, for about three years now. And previous to that, I have over 10 years of experience in data management, data governance, and analytics. So this role really combines a lot of those passions into one, because as you know, data ethics intersects both the data and the analytics side. Uh, which also then nicely works with my undergraduate degree, which is in behavioral psychology, because as you can imagine, a lot of that also influences it and it gets input into data ethics.
0: That is so helpful. So that makes me think, you know, you came from, let's say, traditional data and analytics roles, now into data ethics. What prompted you to start this part of that journey into data ethics?
1: I love things that are new and transformations. I've been a part of a few in my career at various other organizations and the data journey and transformation at Scotiabank started about a few years ago. Although, mind you, I think many, like many organizations, you know, there was a few starts and then stops and then pivots. And now in the last three years, we've really been progressing forward in our data and analytics journey. And as part of that, data ethics became something that was at the forefront needed on both those sides as well. Data ethics is a new field in business and a new field in data and analytics, but it is not a new concept in general. I think, as I previously mentioned, I have a science degree background and in this research community, that has been a concept that's been around for quite a long time. So it's nice to see as well, some of those learnings are now permeated throughout the business world and and really becoming at the forefront there as
0: well. What would you say makes it so important to bring ethics into the data and analytics discipline?
1: It's important because it is something that impacts every one of us. We are all impacted by data and analytics, whether it's the decisions we make or the decisions that are made for us, whether it is targeted advertising or marketing, whether what is what we see in terms of content on Netflix, we are impacted by data and analytics. And with that, data ethics comes into play. This became even more evident during COVID because our world became so virtual and therefore digital. And when it becomes digital, it is data driven. And with that, there were implications when it came to how organizations were using data and what they did in terms of impacting us. There were headlines in the last couple of years by organizations where there were actions done by that organization towards customer and the result wasn't positive. It compromised customer trust and it left a bad taste in people's minds. And those organizations were large organizations. And, you know, in many instances, they didn't do anything that was necessarily illegal or even malicious in intent, in fact. But it was something that didn't sit well with the customer. So for an organization like Scotiabank, which is obviously a financial institution, trust is very much a foundation that we are built on and that's something that we strive to uphold. And so for us, that was something that we very much try to put into our practices. And that's when the Data Ethics Office uh, was started. It was a couple of years ago.
0: We talked about what some of the risks are and some examples of companies doing it wrong. What's the best practice in doing it right?
1: There's a few best practices for sure. One of them is about instilling that culture, not just of data and analytics and understanding data and having a respect for it. And that's really where that data ethics comes in. But it is also about integrating it into processes and the procedures that we have in our organization. So to start with the culture aspect of it, It's about educating people and having them have an awareness of what data ethics is. As we mentioned in the organizations or in the data and analytics world, it is up and coming. There's more and more references of it, especially when it pertains to AI. But data ethics is more than just AI. It can be throughout the entire lifecycle of data, from the point where we collect data about a customer all the way to how we use that data about a customer. And so in our organization, our focus is about educating Not only the organization, but the industry as a whole, because as mentioned, it is still relatively new about what is data ethics and why we should have that responsibility in an organization to do something about it and have it top of mind when we're doing anything in business, you know, delivering value in whatever manner to our customers. And with Scotiabank, we are doing more than just talking. We're starting to walk the walk. One of the things that we just actually launched today was our public statement on our ethics. But that is still just a piece of the puzzle and it's really just still words. Then what do you do with those words? What we're doing is implementing processes and tools that help people think about data ethics. In an organization like Scotiabank, there's a lot of regulations, and people in general are all trying to do their job to the best of their abilities. And we do have a code of conduct and we all follow that code of conduct, but there's more than it. It's more than just what you have to do based on regulations and laws. It's also all the things that you don't think about. And often, we're just doing our job. We think that data is black and white. So when we use it, it's factual and what we have with it, then it propagates through. But in fact, data isn't black and white, right? It's how we collect it. Where did we collect it from? How we're intending to use it then is just really a byproduct of that almost. Because depending on the sample size, where we've gotten it, then it influences what we put through our systems and the output that we then produce. We've implemented tools that help our organization think about some of these questions. Then it provides that model developer in some instances, some of these questions, because again, many of them you know, are just doing their job. They're not thinking of these extra things that they might want to consider. And so with the tools that we're implementing, it just allows them to do that in a more automated fashion so that it just becomes ingrained in their everyday thinking.
0: That's fascinating. So the tools to make it easy for people to do the right thing, right, at least start questioning their use of data or how they're getting the data in the first place. is really important, making it easy for folks to do the right thing, which is also the legal thing. Exactly. uh, Right. In that case, you are taking that into account. Super important. Now. Are the tools really just suggestions to help raise awareness and educate, or is it actually facilitating actions that they can take or approvals on their acceptable use? Is it taking it a step further too?
1: Yes, they are taking a step further. So there's a couple tools that we have. One of them is about protection. And so identifying data that is sensitive about a customer. We have privacy laws, so there's PII data, but at the same time, there's sensitive data. So for example, your postal code or geolocation, for example, is sensitive data. It alludes to where you are and what neighborhood you live in. It might not be personally identifiable data in some instances because it's not your exact address. However, you can infer certain things. And so even with that data, we have a due diligence behind it. And then we, as it goes into the organization, we're making sure to have the appropriate access Even when the people, whoever's using it in an organization, they need to have that right to use it and have a purpose in using it. And then the other part of it is obviously consent, uh, which is giving our customers the options in terms of, is this the way you would like to use some of that data? And then as it flows through into the organization, the other part is when we're using it to determine business outcomes. And then those business outcomes are going to impact the customer in some way. One of the things that I mentioned was with AI, for example. We use data for that, and then there's model developers that create a model that will potentially target a customer or a group of customers. When they're using that data, they have to answer a series of questions, and it's through our ethics assistant that we launched a few months ago. And it's an automated tool where you input your answers, and it provides that model developer with some things to think about. Did they consider some of the things that they're doing with that model, some of the techniques that they're using, the AI tools, some of the data that they're using? Did they do extra analysis to ensure that they have accounted for certain things like bias in the data? And then as they are going through that, they have the potential to then keep on, one, refining their model, but then also doing the assessment until that point in time where they are ready to then put it into production to ensure that they have acted on the guidance of that ethics assistant and then made it the most ethical model that they possibly can at that point in time.
0: So it checks on the other end, it's guiding and asking questions in the beginning to educate the model developer, and then it guides on appropriate uses, etc. And then you're saying that it also checks after the fact to make sure that they followed that guidance.
1: So not yet. Not
0: yet. That's where we're going.
1: That's where we're wanting to evolve into the future. Right now, we're trying to get people to start thinking about these questions Mm -hmm. and implementing them into their model before they ever put it into production. So that we don't run into a situation where there could be something that then we put into production and i.e. impacts the customer directly. And now we haven't thought us about some of these things and it could then introduce outcomes that we weren't expecting. Again, not because we were trying to do something that was malicious in intent, but just because we didn't think about it. And, you know, there's been an example of that just recently coming out of the United States with a financial organization where there were certain outcomes that happened against minority populations. And then the comment was, well, our organization has diversity training and has practices against bias and discrimination, but the algorithm may have kicked out something that we didn't think about. And it's the algorithm. But that's not an excuse. You have to know what the algorithm is going to be fed, what data is feeding into it, because the algorithm is just a tool. As much as we like to think that AI is at a point in time where it's thinking by itself without human intervention, in reality, mostly what we're doing still is machine learning. And machine learning implies that we're feeding it something and it's just amplifying more of that. So what we're feeding is really what we want to check first. Now, to your point about after the fact, that is where we want to evolve to. I want to make sure that the models that we have in production or out in the real world, what outcomes there are, we're double checking against what we thought was put through into production is the same. Because again, at the end of the day, you can't fully eliminate risk, but you need to make sure that you try to mitigate it as much as possible.
0: Okay. So we have a lot of topics to kind of unpack there. So you mentioned your code of ethics in the company. You mentioned your public statement on ethics, which is really cool, congratulations. I think that that's an important milestone to see that you're taking a public approach to that, which starts to open up, I'll use the word transparency, right? You're helping the public know what your stance is on data ethics. You've got this public statement on ethics. We're talking about transparency. Is that it? Is that look for the fine print if I'm a customer when I'm I'm trying to transact with you? Or are there other ways that you're putting Ethics front and center for for your customers in any of these use cases that you just described.
1: So the public uh, statement of ethics on our website is definitely a f- a one of the signs, but other organizations are doing that as well. Really, it's just words unless you're actually doing something about it, uh, as we have previously just chatted about. And the ethics assistant, which is used for AI model developers, is another tool that we developed, and we also had a press release about that uh, about a month ago, where we publicly came out with that. And we are one of the first organizations, not just a financial institution, but one of the first organizations that really has something in place like that, which helps model developers think about you know, the actions that they need to take and, and what they need to do to mitigate that risk of being unethical in the outcomes as they're developing their model. So One, there's a tool that we have implemented that helps the organization have that conversation. And that conversation is meant to be throughout the organization because at the end of the day, it's not just the analytics team that is responsible for ethics when they're using AI. Usually it is a work that is associated with a business, which then has that connection point with the customer. Analytics is usually buried somewhere into the organization. And so that customer, if there is anything that they want to talk about with the organization, they contact the business. And the business needs to understand as well the outcomes sort of that have happened to impact that customer. Most often, a customer is not gonna come back to a financial institution and say, hey, I received this offer, what they're going to come back about is why didn't I receive this offer? And so you better be able to explain that. What was the decision logic that went into it in order for this customer not to be qualified? And that is the accountability of the business to have that conversation. And that means that the business needs to understand that conversation and what went into that algorithm. Often it is like, well, data scientists knew what they were doing, it's beyond me, it's too complicated, but it shouldn't be. It should be transparent. There should be an ability to explain it from the analytics team to the business and then the business to the customer. We should all understand what went into that model and how that came into being so that we can all have the same message and have the same understanding in terms of for the customer.
0: So that's like a really great example of sort of the difference between doing something that's just legal and also doing something that's the right thing to do. So being really clear with a customer who was denied a loan or something like that with the reasons why.
1: And that's one of the main ethical guidance uh, principles that we have, the way we want to work within the organization, which is being fair, being transparent. Safeguarding our customers' information and data are just a couple of the key guiding principles that we have. And in order to be able to do that with the customer, we need to be able to do that within the organization. And so, like I mentioned, Ethics Assistant is just one of the ways. This version of it that we've implemented is focused on AI, but we're going to expand beyond that. So to more than just AI models, as well to other marketing models and throughout the organization, with the goal to implement within our entire Canadian banking business by the end of this fiscal. And that is a big goal because it requires one communication and and sort of the change of culture within the organization, which we are working very hard to do. We're going to be implementing a course as well within the organization so that there's more awareness and conversation about the subject. But then the other part of it is really having that accountability. And so when those models are created, for example, the business is accountable for signing off on them as well. It's not just the analytics team that does it and then there's, you know, no one thinks about it again. They have that accountability to sign off on it right into production and so that they understand what went there. And it's going to be the same thing for when we expand.
0: Fantastic. That's end-to-end transparency right there. Your analytics folks, your business folks, the customer, everybody knows everything's above board.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: in, into what's going into the model and what comes out and reasons why. That's wonderful. So this is a two-year journey, I think, that you said you're on, right, in this, in this new department, in a relatively new discipline. What, so far, would you say has been the most surprising development along the way in these past couple of years as you've gotten this going?
1: It's actually a positive surprise. One of the things that people kept on warning me about is that with ethics, a lot of it is not yet regulated, especially in North America. There are certain laws in Europe with the GDPR that are a bit more in tune and they're already out. And we are taking guidance from them. But in Canada, there is a new bill that's coming out in Quebec, for example, that's going to instill changes even on the ethics side in the next couple of years. But nonetheless, without laws, sometimes people push back on it. They don't like change. They don't want to add something else into their process unless they have to. And usually that have to is a new law or regulation. And so then that makes it more palatable. With data ethics, it's not a, I have to do this because it's a law, but I should be doing this. It's the right thing to do. And so that sometimes when it adds extra work, uh, while people want to, they don't want to have extra work. Now, the surprising part of it is, is that people have been really actually receptive of this and have been completely open to the changes and the processes that we're instilling and the tools that we're asking them to use. They've been providing feedback, working with us as well in terms of making the tools better and the process better and asking for more. So... For one of the surprising conversations I just had last week, and not surprising in a bad way, but in the way that analytics is usually so very agile. You know, you want to be doing things quickly and out in the market. And often people think that they don't want to have any more sort of process in there, but that's actually not the case. They want to make sure that they're doing the right thing as well. And so when I was having conversations with the leadership in the analytics about the AI tool or ethics assistant, They're the ones that also said, are we doing more? Are we going to be doing it for other use cases? And so there really is an appetite for ensuring that everything that we're doing is above board and really in in support of our customers and making sure that we're doing the right things by our customer. But if you make it easier for them to do, then it's that whole aspect of it. The easier something is, the more then it becomes part of their nature. And so I think a lot of people want to do good things.
0: Right. It's just a habit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Making ethics easy then makes it become a habit, and then you wanna do more of that. Now, we talked about your observations of surprises. Looking back over the past couple of years, is there anything that you wish you'd known earlier so that you could have, let's say, changed the course or pace of change in this program?
1: There's definitely a couple of learnings, and one of the things is that you start where you know, And so our department is within the chief data and analytics office. And we wanted to first instill processes and tools within that space and then have it iterate and scale. Now we are in various areas of the organization and growing. And something like Ethics Assistant, for example, is going to become mandatory for the entire organization when anybody's doing AI. But one of the things that I wish I had known sooner is some of the other areas that could have benefited with our tools and processes and integrated into them sooner because then it would have allowed for more faster scalability. However, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you don't know all the pockets in an organization, especially a a large organization like Scotiabank. And so you don't know all the departments. You don't know all the areas that you could be working with to to expand and accelerate, you know, your journey and as well as the adoption and then the education. And as we get to know more people and as people get to know us, they're volunteering themselves and saying, hey, can you come and talk to us? And can we put this into this area of the organization? So. I'm not about looking backwards. I'm all about growing forwards. And while some of these things would have been great back then, maybe the organization wasn't yet, you know, fully ready at that point in time, because I do feel like in the industry as a whole, there's more appetite now for data ethics. And I think the last two years, I've also really highlighted that and and expanded that.
0: Right. And you want to start especially when you're a team of one, probably, you wanna start small and build up through experience anyway. So wishing you could have started broad across the entire organization. Sure, we all wish that, right? But you do wanna start small, get some early wins, and then make some progress, learn from that, and then you expand it from there. Sounds like a great implementation plan and a great execution of it. So well done, congratulations again. Another thing that I find fascinating, so your background, behavioral psychology, I think you said, right? Correct. Maybe there is now, I don't know, but there's no degree for data ethics. And you're growing this department in your data and analytics organization, your data office. If I wanted a degree in this as a discipline, where do you think that's going? Like, should everybody get a degree in behavioral psychology in order to head into this data ethics as a discipline? I've had a lot of accidental careers myself uh, over the years uh, as I've moved from department to department. It's been a great journey. I've been blessed with lots of support over the years as I've learned my way. Sounds like you're doing something similar here. How does someone get started in a career like this? Where do you think that's going career-wise, roles in data ethics?
1: So for me, it was purely by happenstance. So my degree, it nicely complements the work that I'm doing now. And I think it adds to it because of having that understanding of human behavior. And at the same time, data and analytics is a combination of some of these things, right? The data, the factual side, and then how you then provide or tell that story Mm -hmm. with that data. But with that being said, in terms of current day and age, there are, at least in Canada, educational courses that you can take on ethics, and they are part of programs. So so I know that there's a couple of universities up here that offer data ethics as part of the overall suite when it comes to data and analytics. Now to be honest with you. I'm not sure if there's a whole sort of degree dedicated to it.
0: Right, right. I
1: know from a research perspective and science perspective, there are because ethics is very much a part of that. But I think that there's definitely more and more movement towards that. And I know that even with some universities up here, like I mentioned, we're partnering with them and working with them because they are doing research into data ethics. And as well as, like I mentioned, research in that. So obviously that there is an area of it that's a focus in those universities. And so I think that more and more we'll be seeing ethics in, in terms of courses, and education and even programs.
0: So you're, you're actually influencing the answer to that question by partnering with these universities to help them build programs.
1: Yes, and we are very actively searching for those kind of opportunities because one of the things that we want to do is not only establish ourselves within our organization. So at Scotiabank and, you know, expand the culture on data ethics, we also want to do that in the industry as a whole. There are not that many thought leaders yet in this space, and so as regulations are coming, we want to be influencing that and we want to already be ahead of some of these curves and instilling best practices and learning from them ahead of time so that when we know that this worked well, this didn't. and by the time the regulation comes, we're a bit more of an expert in it yeah and with partnering with other people who are doing these things well, even completely different industries, you can take best practices from that and learn together
0: right, absolutely fascinating. so data ethics. One could make an argument that that belongs in a data office as a department, one could make an argument that it belongs in a privacy team or a legal team or even a security team. Do you feel like the right alignment right now is in a data office in that sort of group?
1: Our team currently, the way it is, it's in the chief data office, but in fact, it actually is an interplay between the chief data and analytics office, which work very closely together. And my leadership is the chief data and analytics officer, in fact. And so this kind of role permeates both sides. And I've been very privileged about seeing it from both angles. Often if you're in data. Then you're seeing data management, data governance, lineages, the technical aspects of data, and that's the angle you see it. And then when you see analytics, it's you use data, but you're not so concerned about how you got that data necessarily. You just want to use the data and and then deliver value. In this role, you see it from both angles and how the two combine, which is a really, I think, wonderful place to be. And we work very closely with legal. We work very closely with compliance, privacy, our information security folks, technology. And I think that this spot is the perfect spot for that because you interplay with all of these areas so naturally. I couldn't imagine this team being anywhere else, to be honest with you
0: i could talk to you about this all day i think uh i think the benefit of that is you know ethics awareness and policies and all of that acceptable use policies and things it doesn't become no as the answer it becomes what's the safest way the best way the most appropriate way to drive value and then it becomes an enabling thing as opposed to an obstacle or a barrier to progress so That's a key to something that you were saying earlier about how many of the teams in your organization want to do more of it because they see it as an enabler to building more and better products.
1: You've just put it so eloquently together, though, but that's exactly correct. Uh, (laughs) More and more of that organization is wanting it. They want to do the right thing, and the more you enable them to do it through automation, and so hence why we work very closely with technology, as well as combining data and analytics, because it just makes for a better story, one for the organization and the way we deliver value, but two for our customers, which is really, at the end of the day, the basis of our business. And so we want to make sure that we are always upholding that customer trust and that they feel about us the same way as we feel about them.
0: All right, I ask every guest this question. You're two years into your journey. Predict the future for me. What is data ethics going to look like as a discipline or as a program just in general, in the industry in five years.
1: Based on how we're progressing right now, I think that with ethics, it's going to become sort of the table stakes for anything that we're doing, especially as we're doing things to make it easier for the organization and our employees to have data ethics as a consideration in what they're doing in their everyday life. The more that you sort of become used to something, as you know, then it becomes a habit. And then that should be a habit that then permeates the entire culture where you're not thinking about it, the fact that it's data ethics as this separate discipline or something separate you're doing. It's just the way of the culture. There will be more, I think, tools and processes to help in that journey, to make it more automated, and at the same time time there's going to be things we haven't considered Uh, so some of these things as we evolve ethics I think will evolve with it it's great that we have an ethics assistant to look at models before they deploy but now the other side of it is after they've deployed did we actually accomplish what we said we were going to accomplish because as much as we wanted to mitigate that risk did we actually do so that's I think the next step of that journey you have to measure just because we said we did it did we actually do it
0: Data ethics is such an important topic, and I'm so glad we had the chance to introduce it in this series. I say introduce because, again, the larger topic of ethics, the right and wrong, is centuries old. So data ethics then deserves its due, with serious attention to all the angles. I hope to get into the various subtopics in the future. For now, I want to focus on a few key points regarding how organizations can think about data ethics. Number one is transparency, transparency, transparency. The ethical use of data, or not ethical, impacts everyone, literally everyone. We should make it clear what data ethics means and what doing the right thing looks like. Meaning transparency with customers and stakeholders on what data is collected, how, what you're doing with that data, and what the benefit is for them. Second thing is the practical. Make it easy and even automatic to do the ethical thing. The technical guardrails that help people form ethical data habits. Policy and practice transparency I just mentioned is crucial, but if we can automate some of the workflows used by engineers and data scientists along these lines, then even better. Finally, the third thing that comes to mind is that this is all still a new but growing field. It's growing largely due to the rapid innovation happening through machine learning and AI, which is all based on data. Innovation and progress never happens all on a straight line. It's bumpy. Careers aren't yet fully established, but they're appearing as are educational opportunities. Regulations are uneven and imperfect, but there's serious attention and meaningful progress so far. Long story short, this field of data ethics has already come a long way. And I got to say, I'm really encouraged about where we're headed. For Calibra, this is The Data Download, and I'm your host, Jay Millisher. We'll see you next time. even more insight into managing your data, visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.